This is Jan Cox, talk number 2,529, recorded May 24th, 2000. As Zarathustra used to say to people, he'd go, Hey, look here. I wrote down some stuff again that I was talking about Monday, and I'm not sure that there's any use in it. And I'm going to try to tell you. I was trying to warm you up Monday. But all I can do, I'll go ahead and try to tell you. It won't take but a couple of minutes. And then I can talk the rest of the time about how this would seem to apply in ways that people hadn't thought about it, how this could be seen, this model could be seen as being at the absolute root of many well-known attempts to achieve something, some other state of consciousness and etc. But the interesting part to me, is that I found it useful. And that's what I'm going to try to tell you about, but it just take a couple of minutes, but it took me many, many years. It's almost the opposite of what I normally talk about or the way in which I normally look at it. I've gone back and forth throughout the years because, as some of you find out on your own, there is a great deal to be said positively for being able to come up with something different and as you intellectuals say, the differenter, the better. By all reports, by all histories, including my own discovery, I adopted other people's to begin with, but then through my own efforts and narrowed it down to where as far as I was concerned, I was only doing what I found useful. And that was applying myself to the study of what's going on in my head, the study of the mind, the study of thoughts. Uh, a severe one, a relentless one, then I would beat on myself when I would go for seconds, minutes, without at least trying to stare at that in something along the lines of, my God, how can I stop this? How can I keep it from continually swamping me and making me engage in such horrendous and such shameful Activities of leaving my keys inside when I went out. And, of course, the well-known, I bumped my head. While thinking important thoughts, I ran into a door. Boy, I'm just glad Buddha wasn't there to see it. Of course, now I realized he had. And I said, God, look what I did. He'd probably turn around and tripped and turned his ankle. It's possible. That's one of the benefits of being a historically inaccurate figure, or at least dead. You can turn your ankle, cut your lip, drop a glass, and who knows? It happens, you turn around, there's nobody there. I have quoted many times, you have read, and as I said, I do not, have not used it simply because I adopted it. I started out, as everyone did, having to adopt somebody's idea to get you going. All it took for me was one sentence, the one I keep repeating. That man believes he is mentally conscious and awake, whereas he is not so, not in comparison to what he could be, but with certain well-known and proven efforts and certain information a man can be. The sentence is actually shorter than that. I've just fattened it up throughout the years. That's all it took, and I adopted that. But then, for my, based upon my own experience, 
to me it has been, by and large, a relentless struggle against, about the mind. And as I said, throughout the ages, it has been stated by every well-known and lesser-known so-called awakened and enlightened master and sage and ancient wise one that to be awake, a man must understand the mind. To be enlightened, you must get to the bottom of the mind. There is another way of looking at it that is almost entirely different. And when I say looking at it, I can use it and I can do it. And I can't believe that the time shouldn't be right. I'm coming back to it again, bigger and better than ever. In fact, some of you may not have been around long enough to have ever heard me do it. But I'm back with a vengeance. Listen, this is, the first part, sounds like talking. i got to get us going. I already covered it Monday, but now I'm going to take it down to the useful, practical level. From one quite valid view, based on experience, but also based upon my description, that's why I call it, in one sense, as a model. It's a way of looking at it, but based on your own experience. Tell me this is not, you'll see it's true. Thoughts cannot be said to exist as things, as somethings, not in the same sense that a man's feelings can, his passions, his emotions. It is the feelings by which we survive. Thoughts are an adjunct. Thoughts can help. But every thought a man has from my model, from this model, every thought you have is simply an outgrowth of some feeling. The feeling may be long forgotten in the sensual sense. I can clarify that if you're following. At the time you have the thought from which the feeling grew, from which it arose, at the time you're having the thought, very likely, very commonly, is the feeling not present. But I say to you from this model that you can observe the reality of it yourself. Because my model, I'm simply made up. The same way that everything we can talk about, men made up. The mind made up. But rather than look at thoughts as being any sort of problem, any sort of challenge, they in fact are nothing. They're nothing. Not theoretically. They represent something, but they are no more than a gauge showing some form of activity, let us say, in a piece of machinery. The grand deed that thoughts can do, and that they're always prepared to do, but the grand deed they do is being able to take the physical world and then in consciousness, being able to manipulate symbols, images and words, and to manipulate symbols representing the physical world to make the manipulation of the physical world more efficient. That you can figure out simply things in your mind without having to hit or miss them physically. It is possible. That is the problem solving that is survival enhancing. That, I say, is the primo example, or the prime reason, 
that feelings have produced thought, that our organism has produced thought. Now, other than when we're doing that, which I think you would all agree is certainly a minority of the time, most of the time you are not specifically engaged in some willful application of the mind to a physical problem. Most of the time, to make it short, you're daydreaming. It is the mechanical running of thought. And it is that which I say is the manifestation, the the easiest way I can describe the manifestation, that to me is being asleep. That is not only there, but it has the continuing propensity, no matter what a man does. It has the ability at any moment to absolutely take over all possible areas of consciousness. That you simply become whatever you call being conscious. Your consciousness consists of daydreaming. But to look at the daydreams as being absolutely useless, to look at them as being garbage, is mistaken. I remind you again from this model, I say that all thoughts, no matter how useless they may appear at the moment, originally came about from some feeling. And when I say some feeling, I repeat to you again, it is by our feelings that we survive. You can survive without thought, but you cannot survive without feeling. No sentient creature. Nothing alive. Even plants. You can't survive without being able to react to the environment, to changes in the environment. And it's simply what we call either feeling, passion, or emotion. And right now I'm using them all synonymously. It is by feeling that we live. You just got to face that. That's no big secret. That's no discovery. But compared to thought, feeling is the only thing of any significance. If you're going to make a comparison between the significance to you living between thought and feeling, there is no comparison. There is none. Even though thought can be of assistance to survival and be of assistance and enhance your life. Every thought came originally from some feeling. And remember, a feeling is a preference. It is a preference. It is a passion, no matter how minute or no matter how pale, but it was a passion of some sort that was instinctive to you. That we could say in general is instinctive to the organism, to the species Homo sapiens. There's a way. And if I can do it, you can do it. But here I'm going to tell you, it's going to take a minute, maybe or less. And then I just got to keep talking like I'm talking and try to sort of nudge you into it. Rather than studying thought, rather than applying yourself to being concerned about some sort of influence, of exerting some sort of influence over the mind, calming the mind, stopping unruly thought, bringing the uncontrolled mind under your control, all of that, I have found a way. I can't believe I'm alone. I can see... I can do my in-reverse speculation, so to speak, and I can tell, I feel sure that there's some people in the past who are talking about the mind and getting to the bottom of it and meant something else. They should have. If they went as far as they talked, they knew this and just didn't try to describe it. 
There is a way in which to ignore the mind. And you can read about that. I read about it when I was 17, when I first read about such as this. And I read about meditation and ran across the whole idea of Zen and Sufi monasteries and all this of reclusing yourself from life and sitting in an immobile position for hours or for years until the mind finally became calm and in some way that in this calm state, when it had been stilled, then this thing called awakening would be yours. Enlightenment would come upon you, but only in that state. And as soon as I read that, it made sense to me. I took it as absolute fact, and I don't mean that's wrong. Because it's obvious as soon as you read, or it was to me, to my own feeling. There was nobody there to convince me that I realized whatever it is I want, there is a kind of static, there is a kind of barrier, there's a mishmash, there's a swamp, there's an out-of-control whirlwind between me and whatever awakening is. I knew that that's what I wanted. Enlightenment. And I knew that there was one thing that stood between me. They didn't have to go into great detail, but it was the mind. It wasn't somebody else. It wasn't bad luck. It wasn't the way I looked. It wasn't where I was born. It was this. Because I realized whatever. I had no idea what enlightenment was. I just took it. Yeah, that's it. I knew there was something I wanted and nobody knew what it was. And so this must be it. And I immediately realized, as far as I was concerned, when I said a barrier, to me it was one thing. Whatever enlightenment was, whatever awakening was, whatever knowing the secret of life, that used to appeal to me too. Whatever it was, I knew one thing. I wasn't a complete idiot. Not yet. Well, I was young. I wasn't a complete idiot. So I realized, whatever this thing awakening or enlightenment is, I know one thing. It will not come upon someone in this condition. And what I meant was, in my brain right then, that I was there reading a book, let us say, about enlightenment, and just wanting to hug the book, kiss the book, find whoever wrote it if they were still alive. And at the same time I'm doing that, my mind is jumping back and forth about what time it is, and I'm late that I have, you know, going to pick up this waitress I just met yesterday, or the beer stores are going to close, and I'm bouncing back and forth, from this great discovery, I have finally found the purpose of my life is to achieve awakening. God damn it. Where's that other liquor store that they said was open late? What? what the hell am I doing? Wait a minute, it's enlightenment. Yeah, but Jesus is hot. If I, I got to have a... You know how it goes. I simply understood. It wasn't from some moralistic viewpoint, although they have tried throughout the ages to make it there. It wasn't that. It was simply I realized, and it wasn't on the basis I didn't deserve it, and that you had to work for it even though I was faced with that prospect. Because people said, you got to be prepared, I would read about, to spend years or a lifetime sitting still in a monastery. I already didn't like that. Because I knew it didn't include beer and women. I'd already... So I was already having a problem with that, to tell you the truth. But, like you may, it worked out though. But I knew... Do whatever an additional state, whatever this was that I was after, I knew that my ordinary state of mind would not do. Did you? I just knew it was silly. Nobody had. I hadn't. Didn't have to read anymore. I knew it immediately. That something, my mind, what goes on in my head, as smart as I was, as sharp as I was, in certain ways, I knew that if this is all I've got, then this thing awakening will never be mine. I may read about it for the rest of my life. 
but something has got to be done about this. And it was a short time after that I read that, you know, the way to go about it, you've got to be mindful. I thought that's it. Just that word in English. And God knows what it was originally in Farsi or whatever language it came from. But as soon as I read, you must be mindful, I knew immediately. And then I read, like long after that, and I ran to Sufis and other stuff about, you must be able to forever remember yourself. And as soon as I read that, I realized the same thing. Then I ran across all the ideas, all the methods of being able to remember the blessed name of Buddha, the pure land school, or being able to chant some word, be able to continually hold a picture, a symbol in your mind. I realized it was all the same thing. It was in some way to overcome. It was another state of mind, not necessarily enlightenment, but just a state of mind that wasn't this garbage heap. This out of, it was like a garbage heap that a tornado sits on top of it day and night. I mean, it's just around maybe a few inches, but it's this huge garbage pit. That's the only way I looked at it. No offense to me. Because I was, I never considered I was stupid. It wasn't that, but it was just, this is garbage. And it won't even lay still. It's not like garbage you can go out there on a dump and walk around it and look at it and poke at it. It's like a whirlwind. It just stays on top of it. Just, and the stuff just, the shit's just blowing around everywhere. And you can't stop it. That has been, generally, if you have followed anything I've been talking about throughout all these times we've been together, that has been generally my approach to it, the way I looked at it, my view of it. And I repeat one more time, that has been, if you read it, that has been the general, that's the closest thing to a common view from India to China, Africa, Japan, all of the great mystical schools, Southeast Asia, plug in anybody else you like. It's all based upon the fact that this is in consciousness, the desire to awaken, the struggle against sleep, the struggle against illusion, it's all there. And in some way, it's a struggle against your mind, your consciousness as it is. That if you look, if you're attracted to the idea of awakening, you look at your mind, it is out of control, it is a garbage heap. It's redundant, it's useless, it's distracting, it makes you behave in ways that are unprofitable. It makes you insult people when you don't mean to. It makes you speak ill of people when you don't feel ill about them. It makes you live a life of distraction and stupidity, and it's wearisome. And if you really want to awaken, if you're the sort that wants to awaken, it is extremely irritating. <laughs> there is another way. Not theoretically. As far as I'm concerned, I found it. Well, I did find it on my own. Like I said, other people, I, I can smell. There are people who had to know it, but you just don't read about it. And I have some understanding of why, because... I hadn't got to the minute that I told you I can explain it to you, man. By the way, I hadn't gotten there in case you think, God, that's a long minute. Well, I threatened twice. So in case you're thinking that I've lost my sense of time, yeah, but I can still tap dance. I'm still not to the minute yet. Amongst all the descriptions and all the claims that for a man to be awake, he must get to the bottom of the mind, that he must understand the nature of thought. And all the methods, 
being able to, to be eternally mindful, to be able to never forget the name or the face of the beloved, to self-remember, to be engaged in continual self-awareness. All of those are an attempt. The only way you can look at it, to begin with, they are an attempt. And most people can't see this, but all of you people can surely see this much. They're an attempt to stabilize the mind. Now, if you carry it a bit further, you could say, well, the attempt of all sitting meditation, the attempt of all of them is to stop the mind. Is to stop it, to calm it, to clear it, so that this miraculous thing, this sight, this Awareness of life without the interference of your own thinking will come about. But it can only happen when either you have brought your mind under control, brought your thinking under control, the thinking that observation shows easily is out of your control, the daydreaming, is to bring this out of control thought under your control, either that or pushed even further the notion of eradicating it, of being able to in some way Generally, it's attributed the possibility to continued meditation, immobile meditation, that if you do it correctly and sincerely, that maybe after 20 years, one day your mind will not just calm for a few seconds, a few minutes, an hour. It calms, and you can keep it calm the rest of your life. Now that, you find written, I have never seen it put that plainly, but that has been the inference. And that's certainly the way that many people's interpreted it. I say there's another way. Well, first off, let me admit, I could never do it permanently. And if any of you can, again, I don't know why you've held out on me. I have never, of late, in my later years, used to, I didn't really question it. I assumed, well, people can do it, and I just hadn't got a handle on it yet. I hadn't found the trick. I do not now have any idea whatsoever any suspicion that people do that. If they could do that, it'd be horrible. And I have given you a model as to why. Because thoughts are nothing of themselves. They are like gauges on a piece of machinery. Look at your total organism as being a piece of equipment. And thought, all forms of daydreams and everything else. But all thoughts, I can see quite clearly, are like a gauge that is measuring because feelings are already monitoring. Our feelings are in a constant state. You know that. There is more monitoring going on through the senses right now, including the skin. You know, you can't talk about it. You can't catch up. Every now and then I try and point out how you're constantly monitoring your, not only the temperature and the humidity, the amount of light in the room, but you are constantly monitoring, monitoring uh, your position, your blood pressure, the pressure on your bladder, the endocrine system. And all of this, I am lumping under feelings, you understand. It is feelings that are constantly monitoring monitoring you, the organism, and your environment. Thoughts only register it. 
And from this model, it is apparent, it is obvious why it is arranged this way and what they're serving. Because they can remember. They can remember abstractly. They can file away responses. Remember, the responses came about because of the way we felt in some environment, not what we thought about the environment. We were in some condition one time, and such and such happened. And because of the way you felt, too hot, too cold, too hungry, too angry, too fearful, then you did something. You did not do it from thinking. I'm talking about <coughs> pressures that you felt from the environment. That because of the way you felt about it, you did not think about it. It was not based on reason. It was based upon survival and your feelings. After they monitored the situation, monitored your physiological response to the changing situation, made you do something. You didn't think about it the first time. Thought was not involved. You simply did something, the same way as an animal would. You reacted. Part of the great benefit of thought is that you could remember it abstractly. And you understand how efficient that makes it. And I say that that is the great part, or a great part of what daydreaming serves, a great purpose, is they are continuing to reshuffle, to, to flip through the files. Because you're daydreaming, and you know I can make it sound ridiculous, and to me it looks ridiculous, always has, from one view of replaying the past. Why the hell do you keep remembering when somebody insulted you and somebody did so-and-so? And why do you, you know, play the stare talk, what I should have said? Or you think, God, if I ever run that son of a bitch again, next time when he says, yeah, well, not only are you fat, you're ugly too. Not only are you ugly, you're stupid too. All right, if I ever see him again, or if anybody ever says that, next time I'll go, rah, rah, rah. All right, I can make that you know how I can take that apart. I assume you do yourself. You can look at that going on in you and go, Jesus, give me a goddamn break. I'm trying to wake up. And this thing I call my ha-ha, my mind, is there replaying some argument that amounted nothing I had between me and some guy at a service station down in Fort Myers, Florida, 15, what has it been, 15, 20 years ago, and I'm still good grief. Nay, nay, Charlie Brown. I'm not making up for it now. I'm getting somewhere. I'm telling you, I see a reason. There's got to be a reason for everything. That's always kept me going. Even when I realize, well, this is awake. I can sort of encourage it. I can almost bring it on. So, I guess I've succeeded. And I thought, no, I hadn't. What the hell is this? I don't know what the hell this is. The daydreams. Can anybody see? I'm not trying to justify them. I'm getting somewhere. Literally, can you see them as refreshing courses? <laughs> can you see them? Thoughts don't know what they're doing. They're made to do it. But when you've got nothing better to do, that is when the environment and your physiological response there too, there is nothing notable going on in your life, which includes your environment. And so you daydream. That is, nothing's going on that warrants your attention. There's no challenge, there's no problem that could be survival-threatening, at least indirectly. It warrants your attention. And you are not applying yourself. 
to some abstract problem, then you daydream. I say there's a reason for daydreams. And I say that you can look at such as rehashing these conversations. And it is, here's what it's like. It's like feelings. First, you understand feelings being able to use thought. Thought is like filed away memory of past reactions. Be they now found lacking are found to be beneficial in retrospect, but they're filed away until next time the situation can ar arises rather than just reacting spontaneously through feeling, through instinct, which may not have been or may, may not be now the most beneficial course because we're no longer animals. We do not live in the woods. We live in the secondary world. We live around a man-made environment by and large. And so your instinctive response to situations may not be the correct one, may not be the most beneficial, such as children running out in traffic, children trying to climb up, and they, and they start getting old enough to start moving around and won't climb on things to reach up on a hot stove. There is nothing in a child at a certain age or a dog or a chimpanzee to stop them from running out in traffic or to have any idea that I'm in a kitchen, so I, you know, if I'm going to climb up on cabinets, I better be sure this is a cabinet and not a stove. They're up the same height. You've got no knowledge of it. There is no instinct in many respects to deal with the secondary problems, to deal with secondary threats. That is, of an environment produced by the people's minds. And so, you, you don't have an instinct to deal with traffic. You don't have an instinct to warn you. And so, therefore, you certainly don't have an instinctive memory that without using thought that next time that you buy the street for the second time, if you're a three-year-old kid, the first time you walked out and almost got killed, you got no real reason, and your mother happened to be there and grabbed you and screamed and hollered and had a fit, but it didn't mean anything to you. You know what the hell was going on. Two days later, if you get out of her sight and wander back on the sidewalk, there's nothing. You're not, you still don't have an instinctive memory to stop you from doing it in the same way that you might have an instinctive, the knowledge, uh, even kids seem to have this. Animals certainly have it. But kids, that if you get to an edge, like on a porch, and you look over, it seems to be natural almost from the beginning for a kid at a certain height not to fall over it. So there's that sort of thing, you understand, just a natural fear of heights. But there's not a natural fear or caution about traffic because it is a man-made invention. The efficiency comes in that once you learn about non-natural, you know what I mean by now by non-natural, that is by secondary challenges and problems, the only memory that you're going to have or the most efficient memory is going to be abstract, that is intellectual memory. It's not instinctive. But... Instinct, that is feeling, knows what it's doing. And so I see this as being one of the purposes of the mind. And I see it as being indirectly the purpose being served by daydreaming is that the mind remembers lessons learned that were not natural to feeling, to instinctive passion. And so when it comes back around, 
feelings has an immediate aid. It has instant access to a memory that feelings would not have had. I'm having to describe this awkwardly, but I see some of you are getting it. It's like the mind. It's not this way, because feelings would already be concerned about the situation. But it's like the mind, here's the way it would seem to, to the mind, this is the way it would seem to men, is that you're in a situation, if you're following what I'm saying, and suddenly the mind goes, uh-oh, we've been at something like this before, and we shouldn't walk over there. Or we should stay away from that kind of a structure that looks like that, a piece of machinery that looks like that. Or even a situation where people have facial, or where people are moving around, and they're holding these big clubs. Anyway, the memory sees something, and feeling does not have to go and stumble through it again when it's a situation about which it has perhaps no natural, instinctive fear of or feeling about such as traffic. The mind, apparently, the way it seems to be first, so we'll let it go, but you know what I mean by that. It's not really the first to know, because feelings already been clued in, but it's made mind now go, wait a minute. So feeling has access to help. It's like a shortcut that the mind can rack just almost as fast as we can talk, certainly as fast as you can think, can run back through your memory and remember how you handled this before. And if it was not handled in the way best, you can remember that. And now, feeling will modify its behavior this time. Well, I won't do that again. Plus, you may have daydreamed about that thing a thousand or ten thousand times since it happened. The kind of thing that I go, eh. But the daydreaming now serves a purpose that you kept daydreaming about the way you did before and how you got hurt. And, how, you know. and you may be thinking about it in retrospect or people like me, people like us, like... I wish I'd quit thinking about it. What purpose it served to keep thinking about that stupid thing I did? Why not keep thinking about it? Boy, people like to suffer. It must be part of my false personality that I like to berate myself. Tut, tut, tut. You could say that. It fits. But it could prove to be something else altogether that you have replayed that situation thousands of times so that if it does come back up, you won't do exactly the same thing. That it's, in a sense... It is a very fresh file. It's a file to which you go to very often. That is well thumbed. It's like you know, opening a dictionary. A reference book enough to this one place. It's like this situation comes back up. The more you have daydreamed about it, the faster the mind, when the feelings does not have, when emotions, passions, do not have instinctive reactions proper to the situation adequate to the situation, that the mind, after having thumbed through this thing over and over and over and replayed it, jumps on it immediately. And it's of great benefit. I'm, I've always known to myself that nothing is wasted. In the same way that I know that life is un, not unjust, even though we all die and people are dying right now, etc. I, I just understand the idea of... It's not that things are just either. You understand? Things are just as they are. 
It's only humans that go, how unjust. That means you must feel bad. Well, yeah, I am kind of sick. Boy, am I surprised. How unjust is the distribution of wealth in the world? Well, I wonder who said that. wonder why a man might... There is a way, rather than applying yourself to struggling with thought. And the reason I've gone through all this and spent 40 minutes, it's not just something I... I started to say it's not something I just concocted out of thin air, but my life to you. Yes, it is. Of course, I'd spent many decades, you know, fretting with this damn thing. And then one day it just hit me. And so here we are back. It's been great. I have revived it. And it's even better than the last time I did, did it. Rather than struggling with the mind, rather than doing the very things that I was only a night or two, writing, writing about, talking about, and I, and I wasn't incorrect. But if you recall, I was still saying such things as a man doesn't really want to awaken. He can call himself a mystic, but he's not a mystic unless he is relentlessly, unless he is just on his own back constantly to, to watch his own mind, to turn the mind on the mind. Now, I don't care what else you're thinking about. If you're not turning your own mind to the study of itself, you know, you're just on the right track. You can't just sit here and listen to me. You can't just read books. You just can't daydream. You have got to take this very thing to mind and turn the mind on. It's almost impossible, but you have got to keep trying it because, as I said, it's not, I can't any longer say it's absolutely impossible. It's the way I kept putting it to you. But that's tricky. I knew what I meant. And I knew probably how you would take it when you first heard it, which is not what I meant, but I knew that. Rather than struggling with the mind, rather than keeping to watch the mind, I say that there's a way to do just the opposite. And years and years ago, you can even read, it pops up. My memory tells me it's very prevalent in Zen, it doesn't matter where, but of most prevalent, of it popping up saying that, you know, the way to really awaken is or to achieve enlightenment is you've got to finally get past the point. If you're fully enlightened, if you have perfected your enlightenment, is when you're the point that you don't really care or you, you don't care whether you're enlightened or not. Words of that effect. And they're little stories and they're just the idea. You can find it. And I have even put it to you over the last several years. Uh, in stories and just throwaway comments, I've said, I propose it to you several times, as a matter of fact, as a rhetorical question. Would not a man be, a, could you call a man asleep, even after he'd been struggling to awaken all these years? Could you call him asleep if after all this time he could just suddenly never think about being awake or asleep again. Now, I put it to you in the dirtiest way and most useful, potentially useful way I know. I didn't say, would that make him awake? I said, could you then say that a man's asleep? He would have to first had the idea and bought into the idea and it'd be real to him that there's two different states. But after a, many, after a sufficient length of time of struggling, to go from being asleep to awake, to go from being deluded to enlightened. After a certain length of time, with sufficient effort, if he suddenly one day just never again thought about either being awake or asleep, I propose to you that you could no longer say that man was asleep. How could you? If he never again thought in any way whether he was asleep or not, how could you call him asleep? 
I, we're down to the point that I found how to do it. Maybe I finally get to the minute it'll take. Because <laughs> all of this has been the minute. I thought a lot about it, and I can't. I haven't come up with a better way than first hit me, which is very, very questionable, very lacking. But here's the way that I would describe it to you. As you make yourself, I hate to say it, but I can't improve on it. You just make yourself not aware of the mind, not aware of consciousness, but not aware of the mind in any form. You make yourself aware of feeling. But let me hastily add, you don't really make yourself aware of feeling in the sense of, well, I don't feel so good. Or <laughs> Now, you can. It's I'll get you started. I understand. It's I'll get you started. But God damn it, you've got to turn loose of that just within minutes or by tomorrow. To me, it's the way not to think about thinking. There is no other way. I've never been able to find it. I knew that that was one of the tricks, which is the same thing as never thinking again about being awake or asleep. If you could do that, problem solved. Once you have taken it as a problem. You know, you've got to do that. You, won't do, you can't take a person who's never heard about being awake or asleep and say, do you ever think about being awake or asleep? And they go, no. You can't. So they're awake. Now you get, you've got to have first decided... Except the fact that you're asleep and struggle to get unasleep and then find out how to, somewhere down the line, never never think about it again. Then you're not asleep. I don't know how you can deny that. If being asleep is to be mentally out of control, to have the mind out of your control, to have consciousness out of your control, to have consciousness being driven by something beyond your ability to affect, then is not the cure. To take it on a model basis, would not the cure, can you deny the fact, if you could in some way never be conscious of consciousness, wouldn't that be some kind of, even if you hadn't, I know it sounds funny, but wouldn't you admit by now, wouldn't you give me credit that, hey, you'd be on to something? Well, at any rate, I was sure of that. But then you're left with this thought. You're left with this approach. All right? Instead of me suppressing, this took me a long, you know, a gradual length of time. Instead of me trying to control thought, instead of me trying to suppress it, instead of me trying to blank my mind out and bring on something resembling those extraordinary states of being awake, those anomalistic, if I could do that, even though I can do it momentarily and it doesn't have the passion the states have, but if I could do it consistently, I'd be satisfied. And maybe the passion that came about with the original states, those extraordinary passing states, then maybe just holding it over a consistent period of time, the passion would return. But anyway, if it doesn't, I'll settle for being blank. I assume all of you know what I mean. Because you're not, when you're in the extraordinary state, you're not blank. It's not that you don't think, it's just that, hell, I don't know. I'm tired of describing it. <laughs> so, it kept gnawing at me. That rather than trying to stop thought, 
It seemed impossible. I couldn't do it. Rather than bring it under control constantly, that I could just, it was at my beck and call, which sounded so neat. Well, you don't even have to stop thought as long as you've got the damn thing trained. Your mind's trained, it doesn't wander, and you can, all right. Couldn't do it. Not satisfied. Couldn't do it as far as I was concerned. So then it finally struck me, all right, what if I never thought about thinking? What if I never thought about it? And that's when I knew, I can't describe it to you, I, I, I knew. That's why I could say, pull that thing on you about if a man who tried to awaken finally reached the point after sufficient effort that he never thought about it again, would he be awake? I understand that. There is no answer. Because you answer it, you're asleep. Even if I ask it and it woke you up and you answered me, you'd go back to sleep. Because you can't answer the question. Here's the problem. How do you not think about thinking? And as I said, I can read enough. I can smell enough. There have been people that got this far. And they surely stumbled on something. I can smell between their words somewhere. But how do you not think about thinking? Now, you can read in some of the meditation from the yogis and the sufis and the zenists of them trying to give those recorded, alleged recorded instructions that they gave the monks when they would come there. They'd go in there in the hall, take up the sitting position, and just be still. That's the whole point of the position, to be still, and that's the whole point of the senior monks coming around to make sure that you don't wiggle, to nudge you or to holler at you. Just be still. And if you get the body still, and you do it long enough, the mind will calm down. And they would even add this oftentimes. Don't struggle with it. Don't try and stop the thoughts. Just try and sit there and be a passive observer. Do not interfere and just let them trail one after another. Don't argue with them. Don't try to stop them. Don't be concerned. Just watch them. And they will eventually wear themselves out. The day will come. If you keep letting them go, it's like a marching army. They'll eventually tire themselves out. It's like a marching army made up of shadow soldiers. All these beautiful. I thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. For one thing, I'm not going and join some damn monastery and sit for eight hours a day. I just established that about two weeks after I read about awakening. Or to tell you the truth, about two hours after I read that that was... <laughs> That was the norm. And I thought, well, I understand meditation in another way. I understand why they used to say, go meditate. And they didn't mean that, if, uh, giving the people credit as I do, whoever said that originally, that you need to meditate to do this. You need to meditate on the run. You need to meditate on your feet. And the meditation, as I see it, only requires a second, and it's to shift your attention from thinking to feeling. That you try, you turn your attention away from the mind to feeling. But it, it's not, you, I know you must be aware, it's not to produce some form, some sort of conjured up hypochondria. It's not to, <laughs> see, this is where I can't tell you. You can't, you can't decide not to think about thinking. 
That alone won't do it. Or again, if you can do it, then why have you held out on there? Because people have been trying it long before us. And that's why they came up with the notion of try not to interfere. Don't struggle against your thing. You just sit there quietly. You're there with your eyes closed, no sound. Just let it flow. Don't interfere with it. Don't think about your own thoughts. Just watch them. And try to go to sleep. You can't decide not to think about thinking. Although, I realized, from my view, that was, that was a proper goal. If you could not think about thinking, I knew that I would have everything. That that is, in essence, awakening. I would settle for that. But what can you do? You can't not think about thinking. There's one thing that works for me, and I'm not unusual. We'll try one more time a minute. Remember, all, all of these descriptions are it's like me trying to handle handle some piece of fine filigree and I'm wearing a catcher's mitt on both hands. You just decide, I'm, I'm not going to think about the mind. I'm not going to be conscious of what's going on in my mind because of the fact that all it is is a reflection of feelings. And that's why I laid on that so much, to give you somewhere to start, because I assume you needed it. Because it is true. You don't have one single thought that did not come from a feeling. No one does. You do not think about things that you do not have feelings about. Like I said, the, uh, what you're daydreaming about right now, the feeling, the passion that gave birth to it may not be here right now. Obviously. But the thought, the daydream you're having, didn't just pop in your head one day. You didn't make it up. You didn't steal it from a movie. It was based upon a feeling, an emotion in a situation that you had at one time is the father and the mother of every thought that goes through anybody's mind. Why study shadows? You're trying to treat a sick man by dealing with his shadow. Or you're trying to understand the workings of a machine by looking at a gauge over here that's, monitored, that's measuring some activity in the machine. In the machine, it's just a gauge. Like a tachometer on an automobile engine. You could study the attack forever. And you know damn well, you're not really going, you'll never learn anything about the workings of an internal combustion engine. It's just abandoned. But so you've got to replace it. it. was always the trick. I am going to be aware of feeling. And after that, I hate to tell you anything other than don't become hypochondriac. Don't become a hypochondriac. You're not trying to monitor on my blood pressure. After that, I didn't really want to tell you anything because that's all it takes for me and I can do it. And it is instant relief. And it is a relief, it is a refreshment that I believe all of you will find like a young wine, perhaps a bit pretentious, but highly refreshing. <laughs> Enjoyable. <laughs> to the psychic palate. I'll put it to you simply. 
Well, I'm trying to put it simply. I can stop all forms of sleep in the head by simply reminding myself. Remember, I'm wearing boxing gloves saying this. Reminding myself that the only thing I'm interested in is watching my feelings. And I'm no longer going to waste my time looking at shadows. I know what they are. They're real. They're reflections of feelings. But to try and do something with them is foolish. Once you understand it, once you understand that you're dealing with the shadows of things, you're dealing with the reflections of things, it's really, uh, to begin with, it is, I don't know what else a man can do. You have to struggle with the mind. Where's you going to start? Unless you're really childish and struggle with the body. I know that's very common, but I always give you people credit that no one got stuck there trying to achieve enlightenment through the torture or work on the body. That's even further away from it than working on the mind. So I don't know what else you do. You start and you work on the mind. You work on consciousness. You work on the mind. Studying the mind, trying to bring it under control, trying to discipline the mind, trying to calm the mind, trying to turn the mind into directions that will prove profitable to this great, extraordinary, metaphysical aim, etc. I'm telling you, once you can see it in a certain way, it's not just foolish, theoretically. If you'll abandon it and just try and watch feeling, it'll stop the struggle. It'll stop you from being distracted. You will not be asleep in the way that I call it now, assuming that you have some similar view of it. And I can't say it stops the mind. It just, it changes everything. But beyond telling you to observe feelings, I don't really want to tell you anything else other than just to warn you, I don't mean to strap on a, a thing and start walking around taking your blood pressure and your temperature and all that shit. I don't really have anything to tell you other than, all right, I'm not an idiot. I'm not going to look at thought. I'm looking at feeling. That's the only thing I'm going to be aware of. Name struggling. Just be aware of feeling. I'm not, I'm not going to be aware of thinking. I don't know. How, that's, what, that's what I do. That's how I can do it. It's that simple. I say that simple. I couldn't have done it, I assume, you know, 20 years ago, certainly 40 years ago. And I don't know anybody could have told me. But rather than fighting to awaken, it's like you can just bypass it. You can bypass the manifestations of distraction. But you've got to turn your effort, your attention, boxing gloves, boxing gloves, your attention somewhere else off of thinking. And you can't get off of thinking by saying, I will no longer think about thinking. It cannot be done. Trust me, I tried it longer than you did. As even after reading 5,000 years of history saying it couldn't be done, I thought, well, shit. <laughs> they didn't know what they were doing. They did. It can't be done. Nor should it be done. But it's foolish to work on that once you understand it. It's foolish to even look at it. It's feelings staying in shape. It's feelings pumping iron. It's feelings constantly riffling back through their memories of past emotionally charged situations. 
and refreshing themselves by replaying them over and over and over and over and over. If you can turn, if you'll find what I'm saying, just turn your, just make this your aim. I've got to put words on it. I, I'm going to become aware of feelings. That's where I'm going to turn my investigation. In fact, I don't want to say investigation like I did the mind. Just my awareness. I'm going to be aware of feelings. That's it. If you do that, the annoyance of that other thing, you know what I'm talking about, it stops instantly. The annoyance. Forget anything else. I'm not going to describe it. The annoyance with it stops. And if that's your main manifestation of being asleep, it, it stops instantly. And I don't mean just the kind of moment of me saying, all right, everyone, stop, hold your attention. We can all do that, right? For right now, as long as we do it. You know, we've been through that enough. You can do it yourself. But how long can you hold it? It's more than that. Because you're not, you're not even dealing with the shadows. You're not dealing with the mind. That's why I keep insisting. Forget about that. Turn your attention that your aim is simply I will be aware of feeling. That's all I do. If I had to put in words to you, that's all I do. And of course, now I'm so used to it, I don't really have to go through saying the sentence. It's just, I kind of think feelings. Then the whole thing's gone. It's the most efficient thing I have ever found. It is the closest I know to bringing on those extraordinary states, which I still tell you I do not. Anyway, it's the closest thing I know to them. And it's not a momentary. I don't mean that you just do it once in the morning and it takes care of itself all day. But it is instant and you're not chasing your tail. Because, see, that's what always wore me out that made me not only irritated at what was going on, it made me doubly irritated. I'm giving you my view is to catch myself doing it. And I think, well, I don't have... How many times do I have to catch myself? I know what it is. I can talk about it. I've written millions of pages or hundreds of thousands of pages about it. I know it from top to bottom. It keeps doing it. And I still get mad at it. And I know that I continue to do it. I don't know why. I think tomorrow I'll get up and in some way that fate will have blessed me and think, well, you struggled with it now you know, for 52 years. So, okay, from now on, is permanently taken care of. Uh, I don't know about you, I gave that up. But I, it made me doubly irritated, not irritated that my mind, consciousness, my own individuality, the very thing that makes me me, is out of my control, being run by life. It's just babbling, it's repetitive, it's mundane, it's irritating. And it makes me feel stupid. That's what it does. That's what irritates me. I don't need anybody to know about it. I could be living the life of a hermit, and I would suffer. I don't need anybody to go, oh, you, know, you look like you may be taking a nap. Oh, I saw that. Aha, uh-huh, did you? You went to sleep there for a second. I don't need any of that shit. Somebody's around doing that to me, I would have killed them by now. Or laughed them out of my life. That's child's play. And so, what the double irritation was, I catch myself doing it, know that it goes on and on and on and nothing has changed, and then I'm doubly mad. This stops all of it. With no effort. That is, no effort about beating up. When are you going to stop this? It's like you're choking. Will you stop it? You, you know, which, 
It's like you're saying, or me to my own hands, well, strangle me more aggressively. Under everyday conditions. And I also see, to me, this is what annoys people like me, mystics, I would assume, is that under moment-to-moment -moment conditions, right now, most of your lives, the only thing thought is doing is thumbing back through memory of feelings. The abstract that's made that feeling, lessons that feeling learned, and it's up to the mind to have filed them away and have them available. That's all being asleep is, is not having a challenge. That's all being asleep is, is feeling being in such a non-challenging environment that it's only its memories are stirring in us, notably, and the memories only stir in the brain and the cortex. In the abstract, symbols, words, and images. That's all it is. It's memory. It's feelings sitting there with nothing else to do, like firemen between fires and picking up a dumbbell, and they're doing curls. They just sit there all day. Well, they shift the arm around and they do this one. But what is it? You've got two or three dumbbells that you think over and over and over and over and over. Hey, I know you've got more than two, you sophisticated worldly people. But it doesn't matter. There's nothing to struggle about. You can't win it, nor should you win it. And you can't win it with the mind. To get to the bottom of the mind, I put it to you this way. To get to the bottom of the mind, I keep using the phrase... I didn't invent it, but to get to the bottom of the mind is what this is all about. What do you expect to find? What would you guess is there? Like, well, the bottom of the mind. You know what's the bottom of the mind? Feeling. Why waste your time? Why not take advantage? I've given you a hint. Well, not a hint. I told you what it is. But if you get to the bottom of the mind, you get down to the bottom of that bucket, you know what the bottom is? It's not, I can say, what's well, the secret. But it's not a mental secret, and it's not actually a secret. It's feelings. Why not bypass the middleman? Anyone even halfway worthy of the potential tag of enlightened knows to buy wholesale. In fact, go, go to the manufacturer. That's where it is. Try it. That's my minute. Try it. And just don't worry about anything. It's just, you know, if you actually try to do anything that I suggest, try to use it, it's just consider that you're taking a whole new approach, almost the opposite. Is I'm not going to pay any attention to my mind, my thoughts, nothing. Just, that's it. I'm going to drop it. I'm going to try what he said. I'm only going to be aware. I'm going to turn my attention on feelings. And don't go, well, I'm not sure what he meant. <laughs> just do that. I'm just going to be aware of feelings. I'm going to forget about the mind. He recommended it. I recommend it without any reservation. I strongly, strongly. Just try it. You'll find what to do. I always like we all know the classical image of the enlightened man, as I started to mention the other night, is always the drawings, the descriptions, but doesn't it just strike everyone's mind just the slightest hint? 
that the enlightened man, if anything, is unemotional. All the great Buddha statues I love laying there on his side, you know, half asleep. Or, but anyway, just the whole picture. I would say, based on what I'm giving you now, an awakened man would be nothing but a walking bundle of emotions. But with this, he knows better. And by knowing better, also he may not let it show. I would also suggest to you that that's what behind that common throughout the ages in certain schools, uh, exhortations of, about the need to be spontaneous. You can't be spontaneous in thought. It's impossible. There's no way. Because in thought, you've got a plan to be spontaneous, which obviously is ridiculous. But you can't be spontaneous. You can only be spontaneous, it's only possible, in feeling. Being asleep is to be non-spontaneous. But for years when I read that, and it used to always intrigue me because I knew that there was some kind of secret there. Then the, I know what everybody does is you think, well, the spontaneity they refer to is in some way physically manifest. Now, the first guy that, it, I'll give him credit, the guy that discovered, the guy that first said that, he knew what he meant. And he, what he was talking about was being aware, a person being aware of feelings and not thought, only such a person can be spontaneous. Because only feelings are spontaneous. Thoughts can't be spontaneous. They don't exist to begin with their measurements, their recollections of past feelings. A photograph, a snapshot, a pressed rose in a notebook can't be spontaneous. There's several ways I say they don't exist. In another sense, they're dead. Take it the way you want. But they can't be spontaneous. Only feelings can be spontaneous. And if you understand that, and you understand what I'm talking about, about feelings, then we can say, if you're completely spontaneous, you're awake. And that's why I said that an awakened man, an enlightened man, would really be, as opposed to this passive-looking, unemotional, figure. I say he would be nothing but a living bundle. A walking mass of nothing but emotions, except he would know better. I know a bunch of you giggle when I say that, so I assume you get what I'm pointing to. There's a difference between being a bundle of emotions and knowing better and just being a bundle of emotions. Prisons, for instance, are just filled to the ground with people who are walking bundles of emotion. They're the very kinds of people, if you're working in a 7-Eleven on the night shift, that you do not want to see walking in the door. Now, if you're a reasonable man or woman, would you like to be married to one? No, no, no. An awakened or enlightened man, a man who understands what's going on, a man who is freed from the manifestations himself of being asleep, I say would be a living, walking, total bundle of emotion, of feeling. But he would know better. Because, see, the point is, everybody is a walking bundle of it. But nobody else knows better. They go, no, I'm me. I'll tell you what I think. You're not telling me what you think. You're telling me what you feel. You just don't know it. Same way as when you do. When you tell somebody, well, I'll tell you what I think about that. 
You're being silly. You don't think anything about it. You got some feeling about it. You did it one time. Maybe you do it right this second. Nobody thinks anything about anything. Unless it's an abstract problem having to do with survival. How to pump water uphill. How to create a vacuum pump and get the water out of the creek up the hill. How to move fire around without going out. Other than that, you don't think about anything. You don't have thoughts about anything. I'm surprised some of you, maybe you have. Uh, I can still remember the day that hit me. It may sound silly, but you don't have thoughts about anything. Thoughts don't arise over something unless it's having to do with that one exception of absolute problem solving, which I see still doesn't matter, but I see as being the real purpose of consciousness. is simply to aid feeling. That is to aid survival, because that feeling, that a passionate, that emotional, sensual response to the environment, no, nothing can live. So consciousness, thinking is simply an adjunct. But thought does not simply jump up for no reason. You don't just think something. You don't just hear about some subject and have a thought about it. It's the subject you heard about if you never heard about it. If you'd never heard of what politics are, if you'd never heard what religion is, just some field that's big and common. If you had never heard of it and somebody described it to you for the first time and you heard it, you would have no thought about it unless what you heard made you feel some way. Unless you heard about it and went, they do so-and-so? Or at least to yourself, you went, huh. Unless you had some prejudicial feeling, which all feelings are prejudicial, but unless you had some feeling about it, you wouldn't have no thought about it. As I said to me, that was a... I still like it. To realize that no one in the world, except me and maybe a couple of you, realize nobody has a thought about anything. And yet the world is full. The, the more you're amongst civilized, educated people, the forefront of marching civilization, the more the people say, well, I use the mind. I and mean, that's a sign of being civilized. Using the mind rather than going from your baser instincts. A civilized man does not steal like a crude sort would, the kind that's in prison. That's why they're in prison. They don't use the mind. They don't use reason. They don't use logic. Get out of here. <laughs> Neither do you. It's feelings, using your mind to, to say things like, well, people like that don't use their minds. I'm glad I do. Where'd that, where'd that, when do you say that? Where'd that thought come from? See, there it is. They're not fields of thought. They're nowhere to go out and buy thoughts. They're no, they don't pop up. They don't grow. Unless you want to look at them as being the leafy part coming out of a carrot above ground. That's thought. But who eats that? That's thought. The carrot is the feeling. If you'll only apply your attention there, you're in for... It's the best one I know. It's the most efficient. And it just works. And it's not just a, just momentarily to me. And it's no effort, no struggle, no bad side effects. Doesn't make you dizzy. Doesn't make you drowsy. You can operate heavy machinery. Doesn't interfere with anything other than daydreaming. <laughs> other than being aware of daydreaming. 
Savior because we're back to this. Even if a man was asleep, if he didn't know it, is he asleep? Even if a man's asleep, if he quits ever thinking, ever again, I'm asleep. Is he asleep? It all sounds very curious, I say. And I say, once you see it, it's very curious why it sounded so curious. No, it's not. Because you th we think that thoughts are something. They simply have no basis. They don't. They, can, they serve a purpose, but they have no basis. They have no discrete entity. They are not something. They're an offshoot. They're a measurement, a recollection of a feeling. Go to the source. Don't buy retail. Jesus. That's why you're asleep now. That's why we're all asleep. Just thoughts came there, and it's like we're, we're idiots. We're rubes from out of town with a little money, and just everybody on every street corner... Stock salesman. We sit there and ring this ticker tape, and we'll buy any stock, or we, get in, what, we don't have to buy it. We sit there and get all concerned over the fluctuations in the tape, and we don't own any stock. Or i put it to you another way. I shouldn't get started on that. i got a whole picture of that. Is that we take the tape to be something. In the same way we take thoughts that I... I should have real concern over this. Feelings. Be aware of feelings. And try not to... Don't, don't tell yourself any more than that. Just try that. Just feelings. But we're going to forget about the mind. Forget about thoughts. Just ignore it. Just turn your attention on feelings. That concludes this talk. Be sure to visit us at jancox.com where you can search through 3,000 talks for topics of interest, or just leave us a message.